0: I'm Charlie Hipwood, CEO of Mass Ventures.
1: And I'm Stacy Swider, an investor at Mass Ventures. And we welcome you to the Fundable Founder, where we'll be exploring relevant topics for technology entrepreneurs to help them succeed in raising capital and in growing their businesses.
0: As a founder who started and ran three companies, I didn't know what I didn't know when I first set out.
1: (laughs) But you eventually figured things out, right?
0: For the most part, through trial and error and mentorship, but now as a VC, I'm frequently advising entrepreneurs on the same topics. So Stacy and I are here to share that earned wisdom with you, along with the experts that we interview on a variety of subjects.
1: We are. The roadmap to a successful startup is at your fingertips. So turn up the volume and grab the keys to success for your fundable founder journey.
0: Today, we're talking with Adam Honig, who is found, co-founder and CEO at Spiro, uh, which is also a Mass Ventures portfolio company. And I've seen Adam in action with developing his sales organization. So I, so I thought he'd be a good person to, to give us some advice on how to think about setting up a sales organization from the onset uh, so that you can actually sell your product or your service. Adam, welcome. Thanks, Charlie. Good to be here. Great. So let's just talk high level. You know, you're starting a company. How do you think about setting up a sales organization?
1: Sure, well, I, you know, the this, this Sphere is my third company and I followed the same approach to building a sales organization at, at all three of my companies. And I, I'm pretty fond of it actually. So I'll let Good. you know what the secret is, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, the, the first step in, in my mind in building a sales organization is for the founders to actually sell themselves. And I don't mean sell themselves, I mean, do the sales themselves. And I think that especially for those of us who come from non-sales backgrounds, getting out and doing the work gives you a lot of appreciation for what has to happen and will h- really help you when you get to the point where you're interviewing people. Right. You know? And so, so, bringing on, so bringing on the first two customers who are not, um, not friends, not you know, people that you knew, but cold prospects going through the sales process with them, that's definitely the way to start. And in in my view, what you can start to do from there is then backfill things that you're doing. Okay. So so most most companies today have what I call a segmented sales team, which is that you have BDRs or SDRs who do lead generation, you have account executives who do um, closing deals, and you have customer success who post-implementation support and then sell additional things going on. And, and that's definitely the model that I, I would recommend, but, but if you're doing everything at first, what you can do is then replace yourself on the BDR level, right. get somebody in who can generate leads. And then all you as the founder are doing, hopefully is closing, you know, in the sales process, you know, and then once you've got the closing thing down you've made the BDR thing working, you can replace yourself with hiring an AE and yep. then you are essentially the VP of sales. And then you can learn what that's like to have to manage, you know, the AE and the BDR. And again, eventually you replace yourself. Maybe you've got one seller, maybe you've got two sellers working with you. Uh, but that way, you know, you by the time you get to the point where you bring somebody in, you're like, ah, I know what I need this person to do. And, <laughs> and the problem with uh, hiring salespeople, Charlie, is that um, they can be very persuasive in the interview process. Yes, they can. <laughs> So, but if you've done it before and you can say, hey, how would you handle this situation that I'm dealing with right now? You know, then you'll get really good answers.
0: That's right. That's right. So, you know, when you, when you do start your organization, you go out to sell and you don't have sales experience. Are, are there any things you should be thinking about? The do's and don'ts of sales 101. If you're the sales organization, you're the co-founder, you're head of sales, you're probably running finance and HR as well. What are the two or three things you would recommend that people do or don't do uh, in their sales foray?
1: Well, I would say that uh, first of all, don't be afraid to fail. Yep. And don't don't treat it like a precious thing. Like the the best the best salespeople, you know, maybe they're going to close twenty percent of the leads that you put in front of them. You know, so if you get a lead and you don't know anything about what to do, and you jump on a call and you totally mess it up. Perfectly fine. The goal is to learn from that. It's not to win all the deals. Okay. Just like in baseball, like you hit 300, you're in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you hit 300 in sales, you're in the Sales Hall of Fame. So, so don't mess it up, but learn from all these things. And there's lots of you know online resources uh, for people about sales. I really enjoy FoundingSales.com, okay. uh, which is all about how non-technical founders can learn how to sell. I would check that out. There's plenty of literature. I mean, the basics of sales are somebody has a pain. Does your product or service match up against that pain? That's, that's all you really need to focus on to get things going. So don't treat it precious, find the pain that people have that your product can solve. That's, that's pretty much the whole thing in a nutshell.
0: But it's hard when you're a founder and this is the the product you developed or the, or the solution you think that everyone wants. And, 80% 80% of the people you reach out to say, no, nah, not interested. Right. Or, or this is not what I need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's kind of like everybody's saying, Hey, your baby is ugly. You know, <laughs> like uh, yes, it's don't take it personally. That's a really good point. Three. Don't take it personally. 90% of people are going to tell you that your baby is ugly and that's just the way it is, but that's because they don't know, you know, that's, that's all that it is. Um,
0: And how how would you recommend that people get really good feedback from those that are not buying from them? Are there any tricks that you use or questions you use to really glean information from the non-sales?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, everybody has met salespeople who are really salesy. They're like slick and blah, blah, blah and all of that. And I think that's not what you want to be. You want to be like a person. Like, like you're talking to a person, the other person you're trying to figure out, like, I'm really just here to see if whatever challenge you're facing, my product can help with, Right, you know, and and if that's not the case, you know, you should always ask, well, what, what are you looking at? What else are you considering? Like, because maybe you're going to learn something about your product that would fit better for what they're doing. Right. Um, you know, if if you're in a situation where um, you're doing a lot of uh, selling and you're dealing with a lot of leads, I definitely would do a post-sale uh, survey yep. of people. Uh, we've done that very successfully. But most people, I would say early stage, it's more of a, a feeling out process. It is. You I, know? And so I, I would present yourself, hey, we're a new company. We're you know, f- looking for the right market for this product you know, who else do you think we should be talking to? Are there other people or departments or titles you think that this would be a good fit for? Just treat it like an open-ended interview more than like a sales process at first until you get that nailed down.
0: So back to the sales organization where we started, which I think you give great advice about, you know, thinking about your BDRs, your AEs, and kind of moving people into those roles as you kind of move on. You've built your organization. Uh, you're building your organization in, in general is there a ratio you look at for bdrs to account executives to vp of sales to customer success executives like how do you think about that organization you, you used a baseball analogy before like you know how what players are you putting on the field to field your best team
1: so so the, the biggest factor in determining that i would say is deal size okay you know and so if you're selling uh, you know, $5,000 deals, you probably don't even need, you know, a difference between the AE and the BDR. You just need right. one person to get on the phone and close deals rapidly. Yep. If you've got a 50K deal. Probably what's happening is you're going to have one BDR per one AE. Yep. You know, if you have a half a million dollar deal, then you're probably going to need half of a BDR per AE. That's sort of the, the model of how it expands. And, and the reason why it works out that way and that there's some math that you would want to do to figure this out is basically what you want to do is you want to say, you know, for the amount of money that we're going to spend on sales, what's the return that we're going to get? Yep. Um, and so that's, that's how these numbers kind of shake out. And the model that most companies seem to be using today is five times the AE salary is okay. the amount of quota that they want to bring in. So Got if you're not salary OTE total earnings. Yep. So if your total, you know, if your salesperson is going to make a hundred thousand dollars in salary and commissions for the year, they have to sell five hundred k.
0: Got it.
1: You know, and then if you're going to sell five hundred k and it's fifty k deals, well, they need to do ten deals. Yep. So how many leads are they going to need to get to get those fifty deals, and that's probably going to boil down to one BDR. That's just sort of how the The math is probably going to work for you. But that's that's how you would organize that. And and then how do
0: you layer in ramp time with that? Like is a traditional AE six months of ramp time before they really start to sell? Well, I would probably go for three.
1: You know, I would say, you know, (laughs) in in three months, if your AE is not able to attain quota, then there's probably something going on there.
0: (laughs) Fair point. Uh, so what other ways do you measure success of how your sales organization is working? Do you, are you looking at, you know, BDRs, if you don't make 50 calls a day, you're failing? What are the areas of uh, that you measure?
1: So we, we definitely look at, uh, you know, call activity. And, you know, of course, our platform, Spiro, tracks all of that automatically for you. So nobody has to do any work and it's all there. But um, basically, really, the the goal of the BDR, you know, or SDR is to generate qualified, you know, opportunities for the sales team. And so it kind of doesn't really matter how many dials they make. And it doesn't really matter how many meetings they book for the AEs. The number the metric that really matters is the number of meetings that they book for AEs that turn into a real deal. Okay. Uh, You know, and because they could be setting up a lot of crap appointments and who cares? You're actually just wasting your time at that point.
0: How do you determine who's doing a good job, the BDR or the ae if deals aren't necessarily closing, how do you decide if, it's the AE who's not good closing qualified leads, or is it the BDR that's not giving the AE qualified leads?
1: There's there's no uh, there's really no substitute for inspecting,
0: right? Uh, that, that. <laughs> and that's part of the reason you start as the sales team yourself, right? You exactly, of, and so you know value.
1: what what the real you know deal is, and so you know you can use uh, you know products like Spiro or Gong or other things like that to listen to calls dig in and, and spot check what's going on in the process to give you that understanding. But yes, if if things aren't working in sales, then you need to look at each step in the process and kind of understand, is this step working? Is this step working? Until you find that one light bulb on the Christmas tree strand, you know, <laughs> where like there's always that one light bulb that like messes the whole thing up. You got to oh, find yeah. that one light bulb and then fix that one thing. And then eventually yep. you'll fix another light bulb, but that's exactly. a different Exactly. I have images of Chevy Chase plugging in the the house at this
0: point. So uh, a couple other quick questions and then we'll let you go. Uh, How do you think about compensation? Uh, You know, it's always a question, especially in a startup, right? Nobody's nobody's earning a lot of near term income. A lot of its equity based, but salespeople often get comp based on deals closed. How do you think about just compensating your sales team appropriately? So,
1: um, you know, in one sense, it almost doesn't matter. And l- let me explain why, why I say that. So, let's say, you know, as long as you're paying whatever you're paying a sales rep, as long as they're bringing in five times that, yep. you know, in ARR, it doesn't matter. Like, like let's say, you know, it's uh, you're paying them $100,000 and they bring in 500K, that, that's going to make your business work. Right. Let's say you're paying them 200K and they're bringing in a million. Yep. I mean, that's great. Like, I mean, I know it feels really wrong <laughs> to a lot of people, but but is, you have to just think about it as like a mini factory. Yep. Like yep. it doesn't matter what you pay for the inputs as long as you get the right outputs. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the way sales is. So if you've got the five to one ratio, you know, you're, the, the model is going to work for you.
0: So I have a lot of founders out there who really get frustrated when their salesperson that they've hired a year after they've started their business and they've, I'm a founder, I've worked for nothing for a year. I've I've built this business and now my head of sales is earning three or four times what I'm earning. Is that something that again, just doesn't matter? Get over it.
1: Uh, Well, I have two thoughts on that. One is remember how fun it was when you were running sales, uh, you know, because in my model, you were running sales. And if you yep. want to keep running sales Run it, and save all going. of that money so you don't have to go raise the money to pay the VP of sales, I say go for it. Yep. You know, I ran sales at my last company for a very, very long time because I couldn't, you know, decide it was worth it. And then and one day I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Right. I, you know, it's too much. So yeah, don't right. don't do it until you have to do it. Got it.
0: And and how quickly do you replace underperformers?
1: My experience is as soon as we have the conversation where we're like, you know, Charlie, Bob, I'm not really sure if he's going to make it. That's the, that's the moment because in my experience, and I've had hundreds of salespeople work for me in my career, you know, it's very, very rare that people turn it around in sales. Uh, You know, either they've got it or they don't, maybe they need to change the scenery. I don't know what to say, but I would try to change as quickly as possible.
0: That's great advice. Well, uh, I've really uh, taken up a lot of your time here, but this has been tremendous uh, advice and really appreciate your experience and expertise and sharing that with us and our our viewers uh, and wish you nothing but success at Spiro and as you continue to build your sales team.
1: Right on, thank you, Charlie. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fundable Founder. Please go to our website at mass-ventures.com for more information on Mass Ventures and where you can also find other episodes just like this.